And welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. We are so thrilled to have you back again today with this entire episode focused on the effects of trigger rates, trigger points, interest rates in general, and what to be thinking about. You know, this whole concept of trigger rates and trigger points is not a brand new concept per se, but it's something that's only hit the spotlight in the last couple of months, I'd say for obvious reasons with the interest rate increases. In fact, it's the one of the most searched terms on Google, or at least the highest point as far as search terms on Google, trigger rates and trigger points that it's ever had in its existence in the past couple of months here. So we thought we'd take some time to break down what this trigger rate means, what a trigger point is, and specifically some strategies surrounding that. Now, whether this is your current mortgage that you have right now or a future one, definitely worth listening into because there are some key insights here into how to consider handling trigger rates and trigger points in the future and what to do now. And it also might stop you from jumping off the ledge because if you watch the news right now, you'll probably think that it is time to kick the bucket, jump out, sell everything and run away because everything is crashing. And of course, uh, the reality is there's more than one side to this story. And there's so much more that you're going to pick up for this episode. So again, we're going to talk about what they mean, how they impact you, some key strategies to use. So stay tuned to this episode. And if you're loving the podcast, there's one thing that we ask everyone for, and that's to leave us a five-star rating or review if you love the show. And the reason for that, guys, is because we do this uh, out of our time and energy to give back and educate. You'll notice that we don't have any ads or commercials, and we're not plugging uh, a whole bunch of different products or anything of that nature. And that's because we aim to educate and help those in the real estate and clients who are looking to get ahead with their financial goals. Of course, we are the owners and operators at Thrive Mortgage Co. So of course, if you'd like to talk to us about your financial situation, make sure to send us a DM at Thrive Mortgage Co. You can go to our website, thrivemortgage.ca. And of course, leave those ratings and reviews on iTunes and we'll do our very best to send you a little thank you for doing so. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. We'll see you on the other side. What's up, guys? You are listening to the YBR Remo Show, where we talk all things Vancouver real estate and mortgages, take boring topics, and make them interesting. Make sure to stay tuned to listen to everything you need to know how to put cash back in your pocket, create wealth in real estate, and simplify the complicated. Trigger points, trigger rates, and everything in between for a good reason. The last few months of interest rates have been volatile at minimum and extreme uh, perhaps would be a better word in terms of uh, how quickly things have changed in a short amount of time. Now, uh, you know, obviously we're not talking about interest rates going back to the 80s or anything like that, but this term trigger point and trigger rate have come up so much in the past few weeks that we're seeing it covered by major news sources, Globe, CBC, heck, we were even on the, uh, what was it, Global News uh, briefly there talking about trigger points because no one knows what the heck it is. And this is the best part about this. After uh, we're, and we'll define what the heck a trigger point is and a trigger rate and why it is impactful and some strategies around it. But the best part is that you know when this started occurring, this conversation started coming up. Is quite literally the bankers didn't even know what to do either. Like they didn't even know what happens when a trigger point occurs. What is their policy around trigger rates because it was so new and so unique. So I mean, let's get into the conversation, the topic, and why we're even uh, having this chat today. I mean, if you guys want to give us a little bit of a roundtable on, you know, just where we're at today and where we were, let's uh, let's take it from there. I think the biggest thing to to point out is the trigger rate, trigger point that we're going to be discussing today really only impacts clients that have a a variable rate mortgage, and to be more specific, is when a variable rate mortgage when your payment doesn't change, so your payment is locked in or otherwise known as a static payment. 
that's who we're talking to specifically today. And uh, I think that's really important to know because I've had a lot of phone calls about, you know, fear on trigger paint, trigger points, trigger rates, and it, and it really doesn't apply to to a lot of people that are calling in, in fear. And a little bit on, on what this is. So, um, you know, if we think about where these variable rates were a year ago, even less, a lot of people, and a little bit more than a year, uh, a lot of people were getting into variable rate mortgages at like 1.4%. I think the cheapest that we saw was 1.2 roughly, like just you know, the lowest rates we've seen in a very, very, very long time, probably ever. Um, so now we've seen Bank of Canada rate increases that equate to 3%. Um, so that's pushed all those people that were, you know, in a one and a half to four and a half percent. And essentially what's happened because those people's payments are not changing, um, what is happening is you're starting to pay less of your principal and more interest. So from a cash flow perspective, it's great. You're, you're not having to increase your payment, you know, your, your, your monthly costs are not increasing, but from a principal pay down perspective, it is not necessarily ideal. Everyone's situation is different. Some people don't care, um, but we're getting to a point now where those payments are becoming or even further than a hundred percent interest, meaning you're paying zero principal. Everyone's situation is a little bit different based on amortization and rate. You know, if you've done lump sum payments, if you've increased your payments, there's always different factors to consider, but when you hit your trigger rate, basically the bank saying, okay, your payment is now 100% interest, you're paying zero principal, and you should be paying principal because it's a term amortized mortgage. And the typical process is when they figure that out, it doesn't, it's not always immediate, because keep in mind, there's millions of people in these products, um, the bank will be sending you a letter or calling you um, and typically suggesting or potentially forcing an increased payment. Back to Dean's point, a lot of the people that are calling right now, uh, who perhaps need to know a little bit of the backstory here is that um, the, this is not uh, for all variable rate mortgage holders. So we should start off by, again, just summarizing that really quickly. So, uh, there are certain variable rate mortgage holders. So there's two different types of VRMs and ARMs. And in a traditional ARM mortgage is where payments will f uh, go up or down based on the Bank of Canada's prime rate. So folks in those types of mortgages, a lot of lenders that are out there um, would actually have already noticed their payments go up and down. So anybody who has seen their payments change can disregard all of this conversation because it really doesn't apply to you. I mean, there's definitely parts of this you should listen to, but should disregard that as impactful to your situation. Uh, wh who this really impacts those folks who are in those static payment VRMs. Now, uh, most of the large banks, TD, RBC, uh, CB, C, uh, CIBC, if I could speak, and I believe HSBC off the top of my head, uh, do have these static payment variable rate mortgages. And when you call them, they're not going to call them static payments. They might call it fixed payment. They might call it just typical variable rate because they might not know about the other options that are out there. But that is uh, a common or, or the most common people who are impacted by these types of loans. And it's a really interesting uh, consideration because uh, interest rates in Canada, as we know, have increased by uh, nearly basically around two and a half percent in the you know, six month period, which historically hasn't happened for quite some time. Again, circling back, that's a big reason why a lot of the people at the banks don't have any idea what a trigger point and a trigger rate is. So one of the, the things that we definitely have to talk about today is like, what, do you, what can you do? Um, investors, what do you do? And what are your options there? And how does it impact you from both sides of the coin? Derek, I mean, I think I heard you say there and you did it, you did explain it as a uh, define it as paying less towards principal. If the rates go up, your payments stay the same. You pay less towards principal means you're taking longer to pay off the loan and less on interest. I guess just kind of walking through that, what are some of the implications 
to a borrower who leaves their payment the same while the rates increase? Like, what does that mean for them midterm and, and long term? First and foremost, a lot of banks have um, online platforms and you can log in and actually see the details of your mortgage balance, rate, payment, whatever. So a lot of people, if, you're, if your rate has increased by 3% over the last six months, roughly, if you, and you have not changed your payment, if you log in and look at your mortgage online or even call your bank, it's going to show an amortization of a very, very long period of time that most people won't even outlive. Um, whereas we've seen some as high as 65 years. And again, it's because you're paying very little principal, if any, left in that mortgage payment. So one thing that you can expect, and there are some institutions that are not forcing increased payments. If it gets to a point where you're actually not even covering all the interest, they're just going to add that to your mortgage balance. So depending on how high rates go and how long this lasts, let's say someone gets to the end of a five-year term on this product, you're going to owe a lot more than you should have. And that bank, their typical policy is to say, okay, all good. You owe more than you should, but we want to make that up in the next five-year term or three-year term, whatever it is. So the goal at that point is that they restructure things, increase your payments for the following term to try to get you back on track with amortization. Now, keep in mind when you're up for renewal, you're kind of like a free agent. You can go wherever you want. You could leave that bank. You could completely redo your mortgage and extend out to 30 years. Do whatever you need to do to make it affordable. Um, you could go into a one-year term, a five-year term. You could go fix variable line of credit, whatever makes sense for you. But that's essentially what's happening if you're not actively increasing payments or doing lump sum payments to try to stay on track, you're extending your amortization. And I mean, we'll talk about this, but everyone's situation and outlook is different. Again, like I've talked to people that plan to sell their house in a year and they're like, I don't really care. I don't really care. I'd rather have the extra cash in hand right now while we deal with an expensive world, right? And then other people who are kind of working towards retirement, they're putting every dollar they can towards their mortgage because they want to continue to pay that thing down. The real question here is, should someone be concerned about this change of amortization? Should they be stressed out about that? We'll talk about options if this isn't the right move for you and, and what you could do if you're not happy with staying with a mortgage like this in the future here. But what does it look like if someone should do that? And is that some, something that they should consider uh, to, to leave it as such and to leave the amortization extended? Is that a bad thing in your opinion? I think it really depends on how much you owe on your on the balance of your mortgage versus the potential value of your home. Um, in a situation where your your mortgage is, it balances a lot less than the, what your home is worth, like as an example, under 70%, then I think I personally don't think the you should be in much fear at all. Uh, you have a lot of wiggle room there, in my opinion, to to be able to weather the storm and allow your balance to increase if that's what has to happen. Um, I've seen clients look at, you know, options of just doing a you know a large lump sum towards the balance of the mortgage, and they've used you know other forms of debt to do that. Whether it's you know debt from another home, a refinance on another property that they might own, or adding a home equity line of credit to pay down the balance. Like there are. You know, there are ways to to get ahead of that than just increasing your payment. I know we'll get into that in, in regard, like when we get into options, but just for the sake of being in fear, just to summarize, if you have a low balance versus the value of your home, I, I don't think there's much to fear at all. You know, Derek, you brought up a good point earlier. For a lot of people, it's, you know what, um, I'm going to live in this home for a few years. I'm not too worried about paying it off tomorrow. I, I think it's going to go up in value quite a bit in the next five, 10 years. So like, who cares at this point right now, I'll deal with it in, in a few years time. And some people might look at that as reckless, but you could also look at it as, as it could be a smart play uh, for a few reasons. 
Um, number one, if your money could be going further somewhere else. So from an investment perspective, you have your money in investment that it could be doing better uh, in that investment as opposed to quickly increasing your payment, then obviously it makes sense to leave it in that investment, especially with our returns getting higher and higher and higher right now. So what does that look like? And then, uh, you know, the second consideration, I think Derek, you mentioned right away, lifestyle, right? Like, what does it look like from a lifestyle perspective to increase your payments if you don't have to right now? Are you barely going to make ends meet? And if you are, um, or if it's if it's tight, or you just don't really want to do it, then yeah, perhaps just leave it as is. Just be aware that there's obviously a point, which we'll talk about this trigger point again in more detail, at which you may be forced to change your payments or maybe have to consider, which is where I think proactivity comes in. Yeah, those are all good points. And I think there's something to be said about having some cash in hand in a world like this, like we're dealing with insane inflation that so far has been coming down which is good but um you know mortgage payments are going up for people in adjustable variable rate mortgages but like life in general has gotten more expensive so i think you need to understand your your own financial picture and your budget and um you know if you're dealing with this current world with very little cash in the bank and your paycheck to paycheck it might make more sense to sock some of that money away rather than putting it down on the principal of your mortgage because again we don't know how long this is going to last for you know, we've, we're paying $2.40 a liter for gas. It's unbelievable, right? So I think you really need to understand your current situation and just plan accordingly. Yeah, it's a good point and always something to consider. So, okay, so let's talk about that whole trigger uh, point situation in a little bit more detail here. So um, even we were talking about before this trigger point, trigger rate, this is getting, this gets confused all the time. I think the first thing is the trigger rate um, is calculated based on a period of time. Now, I'm not going to bore everybody with explaining the specific calculation on here. We'll put it in the show notes. We'll put it in the blog. So go to our website. We'll have a blog there that'll be dedicated to explain how you can actually calculate your trigger rate to find out what that is. I've had a lot of people say they've reached out to their bank like TD and said, hey, like, what's my trigger rate? And the reality is the bank's like, I, I don't know. I'm not sure how to calculate that. So if you want to find out how to calculate it, you can look it up right there. But that trigger rate, obviously, or trigger point, which you had mentioned earlier, the point at which you're no longer where you're going reverse. And of course, your loan exceeds the original value of your property. We should touch on that really quickly because there's, again, some uh, thoughts and questions on how that even works. Um, an example would be, uh, again, with a conventional mortgage where you put down 20%, the trigger point is obviously at the point at which you are, you've exceeded that loan amount, right? So you've exceeded more than 80% of the current value of your home. And we had some good questions around that. Like how is a lender determining what your property value is? Like, are they coming out and doing appraisals on, on, you know, a half a million properties? Are they, you know, what are they looking to do that? And I, I think the answer to that question is very, very, very unlikely that that's ever occurring. So what is more likely to be an issue is actually the, the rate point at the point at which you've, you've exceeded the amount of interest. Um, it should also be said that I've also noticed that uh, noted that some lenders are not actually asking their clients to increase their payments. Like they're, you're getting letters in the mail, but you don't actually have to. You can just let the interest accumulate as long as, I guess, like I said, you're not exceeding that loan to value, like more than 80% uh, uh, equity in your home or 20% equity in your home. That could be very good advice, especially to Derek's point where somebody's, you know, maybe selling in a year or, you know, has plans to move, move on from the properties or make changes anyways. It could just be a good model to just sit and wait because, you know, you do have to reach that trigger point of the loan to value of, you know, exceeding 80%. Well, who's going to determine that? The bank's going to have to figure that out, not you. So when you think about it that way especially an institution like TD, HSBC, the banks that we've mentioned that have these types of products, 
Um, I find it hard to believe they're going to go through their entire portfolio of these mortgages and be doing refinance or sorry, appraisals on all of these properties. You know, they may highlight, you know, ones that they think are close to the threshold just based on when it was funded or what have you. I'm sure they'll have an algorithm or some sort of a strategy to to pinpoint ones that could be in trouble. But um, for the most part, especially in our region, if you bought your home like more than two years ago, you're probably sitting pretty from a, a, an, a, an evaluation standpoint. Yeah, so there's there's actually two different kind of formulas for the trigger point from my understanding. And one is a loan to value. So again, like Alex mentioned, you buy your property with 20% down. If the bank somehow figures out that the values come down and you owe more, they could call you and say, we want a lump sum payment because you're over the allowable loan to value ratio. Very unlikely because again, why is a bank going to pay for 500,000 appraisals? Probably not. To Dean's point, there's probably some case by case scenarios. If they see someone late on payments, that's probably red alert. Let's look into this property. Let's look into this person and make sure this doesn't get out of hand and the bank doesn't lose money on it. Now, the other component here, the other kind of formula that I think is more realistic is if your mortgage balance, if interest is accruing because you're actually not paying for all the interest. If your mortgage balance meets or exceeds the original mortgage amount that you took on, whether that be two months ago or two years ago, that would be a trigger point that the bank can easily justify. And, and they will be notified if that happens. So I'll give you an example, if someone bought a property and they financed $500,000 four months ago, sure, they've paid some principal down, but now rates have gone up and that interest is building up if at some point in six months their mortgage balance hits five hundred and one thousand dollars it's actually more than when they initially took out the mortgage and bought the property the bank is going to be notified and they're going to call and say hey like you need to pay your mortgage down right so that's actually not appraisal or value base it's just simply due to the fact that you owe more than you originally did when you bought or refinanced yeah, well explained. And uh, I mean, let's hope that that doesn't happen, uh, at least not uh, to very many people. I think chances are pretty good that it, we won't be seeing that on a frequent basis. But a lot of that also is going to depend on what happens with the Bank of Canada um, for the rest of the fall and heading into uh, next year. And perhaps it's a brief conversation that we can have right now um, is is where things are looking and, and what is the likely occurrence for the next couple of months. I mean, just to start off really quickly, we should probably reference the fact that this is the beginning of October 2022. And of course, that first part of uh, the podcast here will always be, uh, you can listen to that. But for now, you know, at this point in time, it is looking like the Bank of Canada is going to hope to increase interest rates uh, again, uh, if not once, then uh, two times with reports indicating that there is um, there's no guarantees on any of this, but it, it looks very likely that we'll be seeing at minimum a quarter percent increase in October uh, of uh, 2022, October 25th, which means that ultimately not only will that impact uh, variable rate interest rate holders now, but people looking to qualify for a mortgage. So so for anybody who has a variable rate, like we just suggest like don't stress out, um, don't let this get you down, just be prepared. So with that being said, why don't we just talk about options? Like if someone's like, okay, well, thanks for explaining trigger rates and trigger points. Like, what do I do now? Like, what are my options? Why don't we rattle through these uh, and talk about what someone's options are if they're if they're a little bit worried about this? Yeah, I mean, I think to start, there's there's three considerations before you make a decision. I won't talk on the options. I'm just going to talk about some considerations before you actually jump and move. Um, so number one is converting to a fixed, right? And that process is, you know, calling that institution and understanding what can be offered. Um, again, I'll, I'll let you guys kind of dig into the options, but I think you need to understand your financial situation. So if rates keep rising, are you going to be in a position where you can't make your payments? 
or you can't afford life and you have to sell your house, like you need to be aware if you can weather a further storm. Number two is risk tolerance. Like again, there's some people that could probably weather a 12% interest rate, but it's driving them mentally insane, right? Like they're losing sleep, they're fighting with spouses. So that's a consideration. What is your risk tolerance and how are you handling this? And then I think the third and a very important consideration is what is the actual strategy behind it, right? Like what are the predictions? Where do you want this to go? And, and, and what are you willing to take on as risk? In regards to like specific options available to you as well, uh, as we know, you uh, one of the things that a lot of the banks are pushing right now is they're pushing for people to kind of lock into your current mortgage. And uh, we're seeing so many emails and phone calls right now from people saying, hey, can I lock in or should I lock in or what do I do? And obviously, you, ju you just talked about the reasons why or you know why not or things to consider. Obviously, that is a personal conversation where perhaps there should be a, a phone call in place at that point. But yeah, a lot of banks are really pushing the lock in, lock into a five year, lock into a four year, lock into a three year. And I had a question the other day and the person asked, like, can I negotiate that? Um, and the answer is uh, you can always try to negotiate. It never hurts because typically what's going to happen is your bank's going to try and get you to lock into the closest remaining term. So if that's three years left or four years left or five years left, they're going to try and get you to lock into a remaining term of that length. And they're usually going to offer you interest rates, which are higher than the market average. Um, and if that's the case, you, you certainly you can try to negotiate and you can also um, look at other options like refinancing, moving over to a lender, switching your mortgage. Like you don't have to just take that particular lender. Of course, if you do choose to refinance or switch lenders, you have to keep in mind there's some costs associated with that. But sometimes it, like a lot of times it actually makes sense because let's say if you have 23 years remaining, you could go back to 30, right? And you can reduce your payment or change your payment. Um, you can go find it. Like we just did a refinance the other day for a client and we were able to save them almost a half percent on interest rates compared to what their existing bank was offering. So when we ran the numbers on that, it was a no brainer. Uh, plus it was a term length that they were happy with. They didn't want to take a five-year fix with this bank. They wanted to do a two-year option. So we were able to flip them over to a two-year. So it's a shorter time frame, well, right? So, so locking in is, is perhaps something that you should really consider before you do it and know that you should be talking to a pro. Like get the lock-in offers first and then you know reach out to us and, and we'll have a look at that for you. Um, what about, uh, Dean, we were talking about this earlier, lump sums and scheduling in lump sums and, and what that looks like for people. It's a good option to consider, especially if you're planning on purchasing in the future, like a rental property as an example. You really don't want to impact your borrowing power by increasing your payment. Um, and that's exactly what will happen. So when you go to, you know, finance a new home, uh, get pre-approved for say a rental purchase, they're going to be looking at the payment that's attached to your current mortgages. And if you just recently increased them all, that's going to reflect on your credit bureau. And we're going to be qualifying you at a much higher payment for your existing mortgages. So in that case, you know, just increasing the payment, jumping into a locked you know, a fixed rate mortgage and locking in might not be the best avenue. So again, consulting is, is huge. Um, but also looking at the option of lump sum, ask the bank, okay, well, how much money do I need to come up with to, to get back on track? And, the, and they'll give you that number. And if that number is, is digestible and, and manageable for you to, to, to move forward with, great. If not, maybe there's other options and that's where you know engaging us or, and to figure out hey is there another area where i could potentially you know capture some extra equity and make a lump sum payment like there are there are options there and that that's definitely what i would consider first and foremost if you're going to be looking forward to purchasing another property one thing that that um and so thanks for explaining that i think that's a, a huge opportunity for a lot of people one thing that I, i'm just going to share very openly that i chose to do on my own mortgage because i have a mortgage like this right now where it does have a static payment 
is uh, I opted to, and, and there's always a number, like how much should you increase your payment? So that realistically, and I think Derek mentioned this previously, is you got to pick the amount that you you choose or feel most comfortable with. So for some people, it's like, hey, figuring out how to get back to 30 years. For me, it's not as important. So what you can do is you could say, okay, I'd like to do a $100 increase. A lot of lenders, that's the minimum is a $100 increase. I'd like to do a lump sum payment. I don't want to increase my payment. I'd like to do a $100 lump sum payment uh, every month on my mor uh, mortgage payment date for a period of time. So let's just say you schedule it for 12 months in advance and your mortgage payment comes out on the 15th. You can say, I would like my $100 lump sum payment to come out every 15th for the next 12 months. So why this strategy is important to know about for a lot of people is, is and it's kind of a little bit of a hack, is number one, if you ever, if you still want to buy, you know, like another property or investment real estate, but you still kind of want to work on this on paper, your mortgage payment that you have to pay is still the same. So you haven't changed your mortgage payment, which means that your qualification isn't impacted. Whereas if you just said, I want to increase my payment, guess what? You're going to negatively impact your, your options as far as buying that second home. And a lot of people say, oh, I don't know if I'll do that. But if you keep your options open is my feedback on that because it has the same impact. Um, the second thing is that you can at any point say, hey, you know what? I don't want to do this $100 lump sum anymore and just get rid of that. And then you're back to your regular scheduled payment again. So it's kind of a way that you can, you can make sure that you're able to flip back to that payment. You can also make sure that your payment reflects lower. And you can ensure that if you even I wanted the door open in the future to buying a second home, which a lot of people say, oh, I don't think I'll ever do that. And they call you a year later and they say they want to. This is good preparation for that. And so that's kind of like one of my my secret recommendations for a lot of people that they don't really think about um, when they're thinking about changing the payment. Yeah, future qualifications, very important. I think this is where everyone who gets this trigger rate letter or a phone call and you have to make a decision, like if you're a client of ours, call us and we'll chat with you about it. Cause again, this is opening up an opportunity to maybe think future plans. You want to buy a rental, the market's down. And believe me, there's a lot of people trying to take advantage of this, right? Like there's going to be a sweet spot where you can buy a home well under market value and rates will probably come back to normal at some point. So these are all considerations. And, and that's a really good point on being able to revert back because the higher the mortgage payment you have, um, the lower you're going to qualify for on another property. You know, final thoughts on this uh, trigger rate thing. Like uh, for most people that are in variable rates, if this is your first home or maybe it's your first variable rate mortgage, like you got to keep in mind, like have an even keel, like rates go up and down. It's no different than the stock market, right? Like for people who watch the stock market every day and all of a sudden things go down, they sell, they lose, they lose a lot of money. Um, it's same thing with interest rates and mortgages, right? Like I, I have variable rate mortgages and I am staying the course because quite simply over uh, a long period of time, things have worked out. Well, I should go more sophisticated, but whatever. It has worked out in your favor as a variable rate holder for years. We can't guarantee the future, but we can look at the past and the past dictates that it has. But as long as you hang on, if you make a rush decision today, just based on what's happening right now, then you're probably going to miss out on something as it comes to just long-term um, variable interest rates. So with that in mind, I think we'll uh, we'll end off there. Everything trigger rates, everything about variable rates, uh, lots to consider. And um, yeah, I think Derek, you, you kind of hit the nail on the head there. If you uh, folks have questions, you're a client of ours, or if you're a real estate agent and you're wondering how to get this information out to your clients, we have a full blog. We'll be putting out some video content information that you guys can use for the purpose of educating more friends, more family. And uh, even if you have a mortgage and you're not with us, uh, reach out. We're always happy to take a consultation and have a conversation with you about whether it's this or buying that second home and, and how to set you up for that. So thanks for listening, guys. If you liked the episode, you found value, make sure to leave us a review on iTunes or Spotify, and we'll see you on the next one.